Community Church, please stand as we enter into worship.
myself and I will be ever only offered
take a moment to greet those around you. morning church gosh I'll see if I can do announcements after that that was so beautiful oh my gosh so welcome everyone we're so glad you could all be with us to worship today uh, my name is Bridget Riley and we just want to talk about how we are a family that is deeply rooted in prayer we are an intergenerational community and we pray for you all week long so if you have a prayer request something on your heart please take out the bulletin, which I forgot to bring up with me, <laughs> and fill out the page. And if you have a um, praise report too, we love to hear how God is answering your prayer. So if you could please fill that out and drop that in the basket when the ushers come by, we'd love to hear how God is answering all of the things that are on your heart. Um, about the announcement, so Friday we had this awesome night where we blessed the community with a movie and popcorn and just fun and gosh it was so fun can you, anybody who was there raise their hand and give a shout out for how much fun that was it was awesome so anytime we have one of those please get involved it's so wonderful and so that leads me to our super important announcement so after both services next sunday we are going to have a brunch commemorate our 14th anniversary as a church. Woohoo! So there will be pastries and fruit and juice and coffee. So come hang out with your friends and invite your neighbors and your friends and family to come and worship or come and sit and join a meal together. And Pastor Steve will also be heading up a new sermon series what it means to have God present in your life and how it changes everything. So please come and be out on the patio and join some food and a time and some time together and just really be in friendship with one another. Thank you so much. Enjoy worship. Right now? Are you going to sing some more? <laughs> So let's go ahead and do our offering and please put those um, envelopes and requests in the basket. So we're going to go ahead and praise while we do that.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we've been talking about wisdom all summer long. Uh, are you feeling really wise right now? Are you feeling just uh, filled with these bite-sized uh, pieces of wisdom? Uh, if you've been here, you've heard so many versions of, so many aspects of wisdom, and, and if you haven't been here, maybe that, this, this wrap-up today will give you a little bit of an insight of what we've been doing. But I'm just wondering if you would, this is not a pop quiz to put you on the spot, but if you just turn to the person next to you and just say, you really need wisdom. No, don't do that. No, wrong question. Just, just tell them in a sentence or two, off the top of your head, well, what does, what does wisdom mean to me? If you're going to give your one sentence, two sentence description of what wisdom is, maybe you've been listening all summer, maybe you're just visiting today, but that'll get us in the same groove, and that way it'll not just be me up here trying to explain stuff, you'll be already thinking about it, so just turn to the person next to you and say, here's what I think wisdom is, take 30 seconds to do that, you get 15 and they get 15. <clears throat> Okay, the other person gets to talk now, if you haven't already. Good. Did it help you? Did it help you articulate that? Did you find that you're sitting next to a very articulate, wise person? I hope so. Uh, so let me just summarize it for you. Wisdom is expressed in this. Wisdom is expressed, ultimately, in loving God, yourself, and others. Uh, wisdom is ultimately expressed in loving God, loving yourself, and loving others. I get that from good authority. Uh, that's what Jesus said are the two greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So if we're going to ultimately be wise, it's going to somehow set us up to, to more powerfully, more consistently, more creatively uh, love God, uh, love ourselves in order to then uh, be able to love other people. Uh, so uh, I summed up the whole goal of the series, the first week of the series, uh, the first weekend in July. And I quoted from Philippians, it won't be up on the screen, but Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, the Apostle Paul, formerly Rabbi Saul, now a follower of Jesus, an ambassador uh, for Jesus Christ, not only to Jews, but now to Gentiles. Uh, he's speaking before kings and authorities, people in places of power. He's having a major impact all over uh, the Roman Empire. It's really, really hard, though very difficult. Uh, we're going to explore a little bit of that uh, this morning. But here's what he says. This is my prayer for you. My prayer for you, as he writes to the Philippians, is this, that you would have still more love, a love that is full of knowledge and every wise insight, and that you would recognize always the highest and the best. Isn't that an interesting mix of things? My prayer for you is that you would have still more knowledge, no, Still more power? No. Still more prestige? Mm-mm. My prayer for you is that you would have still more love. What kind of love? A love that is full of knowledge and every wise insight, and that you would recognize always as you walk through life what is highest and what is best. That highest and best is, is a refrain um, that should bring to mind that laurel wreath, that the first Olympians would receive this laurel wreath. You represent the highest and the best. And so this is the thing we, we, we really uh, aspire to, not to fake it till we make it, not to pretend we're something we're not, but to simply lean into <clears throat> the one who has shown us love like no one else has, Jesus Christ. 
God in the flesh, who, who loved us so much he came from heaven, entered into this world, allowed us to uh, ignore him, abuse him, uh, be, be inspired, and run hot and cold, and, and loves us through all of that, uh, and now continues to want to teach us how to be wise about loving. And so love, when shaped by knowledge and wise insight, is probably, the, uh, undoubtedly, I'd, I'd say, the greatest gift that we can give one another. At the end of the day, do you want to have at your funeral saying, well, she wasn't really much in terms of loving people, but man, she, she had an opinion on everything. Or wow, that guy, man, he, he, he had so many uh, uh, opinions on things. I couldn't really follow it most of the time. I just would kind of check out. But, but um, I, you know, oh well. Versus... You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to deal with today at this memorial service. I, um, uh, I just experienced so much love in that person's presence. Um, I don't know where to begin. And, of course, we laughed a lot, and we talked a lot, and we had all these crazy different experiences. But ultimately, what hit me most was the way she loved, the way he loved. Did that move you, just even hearing that, right? So, th so <laughs> that's where we're going today. And I want to ask you the question, do you agree with that, first of all? And then let me ask you this question. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? And how do you think it might be working for the people around you? When your car rolls up the driveway, does everybody go, oh, no, he's home? <laughs> Maybe you grew up in a house like that. Maybe you're in a house like that right now. <clears throat> oh, no, she's home. Or, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go downstairs and eat breakfast. I wonder how she's going to be today. I wonder how he's going to be today, right? Who wants to live like that, walking on eggshells? Uh, I, I want to be the kind of person. I want to be around people who say, who, who, who you say, I can't wait to see them. Good, good day, bad day. It could be raining, uh, thundering, lightning. It could be anything, but there will be love in the room when they are present. Powerful, powerful stuff. So <clears throat> that's the setup then uh, for talking in this final installment of this Wisdom in Bite-Sized Pieces about wisdom in the marketplace. And I wanted to give you that preamble because when you say marketplace, it sounds sort of like, mm, marketplace, how interesting. Uh, I don't know how many of you are shoppers. I know for sure I am not. <laughs> I'm a buyer of things. I'm not a shopper of things. And so uh, I, they put 1.2 billion, I think, into Westfield Mall. God bless them. I haven't had a chance to see it because I think they just finished it like five years ago. So <clears throat> I haven't had a chance to get over there uh, because I'm just the idea of parking is daunting to me, you know. Uh, and so um, I'll order it online, and if it doesn't fit, I'll wear it anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, so what comes to your mind when you hear marketplace? When you hear marketplace, uh, shopping, selling, socializing, perhaps the excitement of the city. Uh, I won't even ask for a show of hands, but I can tell you right now, most of you would not say, I love L.A. <clears throat> Nobody likes L.A. because you have to drive in L.A. Um, and uh, like the old song says, nobody walks in L.A., unfortunately. But there is something to be said about L.A. When you go up to L.A., it's exciting. There's so many fun things to do. Uh, Manhattan, my gosh, four days and a lot of money in New York City. Uh, London, amazing. Uh, Tokyo, just start going around the world and think of all these crowded, overwhelmed cities. And yet there's an excitement, there's a pulse, there's drama, there's all kinds of stuff going on that you just feel like, wow, it's exhausting, but absolutely um, inspiring being in a city. Now, if you're not a city person, you might say, I, I can take them in small doses. Uh, but I can tell you that even those of us who would rather live in Bozeman, Montana, 
we want to know that every once in a while, if we want to, we can get to San Francisco or Seattle or Vancouver or New Orleans or Chicago or someplace just to experience the city. And so the church's mission includes the marketplace. That's a big part of, of who we are. Why? <clears throat> because God calls us into community, and communities work best when they get enough critical mass to be able to provide all the things the community needs. And that tends to be in some kind of a hub that looks like a city, a metroplex, a series of cities, a large enough community uh, that you, can, you, you don't have to <clears throat> drive six hours to get something. You, you drive uh, six minutes, six miles. And so the church's mission includes a marketplace. Why? Because we want to proclaim, teach, and demonstrate God's good news to as many people as possible. And if, you, if you're viable in the marketplace, that is, if you have a job, uh, you have to be, have access to a marketplace. Even if you like being alone, even if you work out of your home, your cabin outside of Bozeman, Montana, you're probably dialed in pretty seriously to the marketplace. That's how you sell those fishing flies you make all winter long. Uh, that's how you get, take the orders for the people who want to fly in and have you guide them on the Madison River, the Gallatin River, someplace like that, Yellowstone. And so the marketplace is essential for all of us, even if you don't like cities and you, sh and you shun the idea of being surrounded by the intensity of, of the marketplace. Uh, the marketplace is essential to human thriving and flourishing. God loves the marketplace. The reason the gospel was powerful was because it was from God, but the reason it connected to so many people powerfully is because of the Roman roads. Why were the Roman roads so powerful? Why did they connect all, all, all the entire Roman Empire? Because it was built on the marketplace. Rome could not feed its own people. It could only get wheat from Egypt. The Romans needed the mines that were owned by the Germans. The Romans needed, and so the marketplace was essential to Rome's thriving. And so it is to this day. Right now, we're having massive issues in the world because of markets. Brexit, no Brexit. Uh, is the oil going to Syria or not? You know, I mean, all these issues about marketplace issues. So God loves the marketplace. God is committed to the marketplace. So are we. So what is it about the marketplace that requires our wisdom? Because it can be rough in the marketplace, right? You can, you can lose everything in the marketplace. If you don't have insurance at the right time, uh, <coughs> woe be to you. I was talking to a friend this week. Uh, he <coughs> he uh, turned 65 uh, on January 1. He's a, he's a biker. He's like a full-on biker. You'd, you'd be scared of him if you saw him, and you didn't know that he was a follower of Jesus, but he's a scary-looking biker guy. <coughs> and so he's cruising through Reno on his big major bike, and he happens to glance over for a second, and he looks back, and there's a headlight right in front of him. He's launched 120 feet from his motorcycle. Uh, he, he comes up against the median. His motorcycle goes 140 feet. Uh, it's totaled. Uh, they take him to the hospital. They, they figure out that not one bone is broken. He's just fine. Uh, he, he missed death just by, you know, millimeters. Uh, if anything had happened differently. Uh, and then he spent, you know, two days through all this testing. And it cost, it 30, it cost him $36,000. Now remember, he's a biker. He lives a very simple biker kind of lifestyle. Um, and so he said, because I turned 65 on January 1, I had Medicare. <clears throat> While, he goes, I'm going in to get my heart fixed uh, in two weeks. I only knew that because while I was getting tested to see if I was going to make it through this accident, and he said, you're fine, except for you got arrhythmia. He goes, what's arrhythmia? 
And do I have one arrhythmia or multiple arrhythmia? You know? And so he said, no, it's, it's arrhythmia. It's a condition. You're going to die of this condition because you also have this thing called the widowmaker going on in your heart. Because I didn't know that. Yeah, I've never had a symptom. But because he had this accident, and he said, you know, it's probably going to cost 150 grand to have this surgery done. So he would say he lives in a very remote part of, of Reno on purpose. But he is thriving and surviving because of the marketplace. Okay, so making this point, uh, making this a big point, because Jesus said to his disciples, I'm sending you into the marketplace. You can read chapter 10 of Matthew. It's so laden, so filled with great stuff. I hope you read it and, 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 and just immerse yourself in it. I'm just going to take one verse out of it. In the midst of telling them he's going to send them out and all these things that are going to happen around them and to them and through them, he says this, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Uh, four words that we don't necessarily really relate to, sheep, wolves, snakes, and doves. In our modern parlance, sheep are horrible predators of the environment, and wolves are noble creatures that deserve to not only be in Yellowstone, but everywhere they want to be, <laughs> which is, you know, great. I mean, works for us. It doesn't work if you're a shepherd. And when we think of snakes, we think, oh, snakes, are you kidding me? I hate snakes. Who wants, who likes snakes? But we're supposed to be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. The hawks in my neighborhood love the doves that nest in our house, uh, above our house. I can, that, so doves, I don't know, these words, they, they, I'm not sure what to make of them. But Jesus makes something powerful of them. Let's break it down quickly. I'm sending you out, he says. <clears throat> Jesus comes into our life and we start to see everything differently because of him. Instead of just seeing things from our perspective, we start to see things from his perspective, through his word, through the experiences he gives us. And all of a sudden we say, wow, what's going on? And we start to realize that as we go where we go, we're no longer just going where we go. We're being sent wherever we go. A big shift happens as you start to immerse yourself in God's word and get to know who Jesus is. You realize, I no longer just go places. I'm sent places. I make choices to go to the store, to do this, to do that. But all of a sudden, I realize it's a larger context I'm, I'm living under. Because everywhere I go, I'm really also being sent. It's not like I have to go everywhere and tell people about Jesus everywhere I go. But everywhere I go, there's something about Jesus going on here. Because Jesus is present in the world and redeeming it. So now as a follower of Jesus, I'm sent out. So as I'm walking through life, I'm saying, Lord, what's going on here? What do you want me to do here? And, and you'll start to notice you have all these coincidences I would, I would upgrade that from coincidence and just call it a divine appointment. God keeps bumping you into situations and people that you had no idea, no intention of meeting or, or interacting with, and all of a sudden something is going on, maybe just a few comments, a, a little conversation. <clears throat> I ran into a guy um, recently, I, I'd never met the guy before, and he was standing uh, like he was, you know, didn't know anybody, and his, his kids were playing next to him, he's just standing there, he's a big guy, and I walked up to him, it turns out... He's from India, and he's an engineer at Qualcomm, and we start talking, and, and he's a writer, and, and so I said, wow, what do you write? So I'm just asking him questions about who he is, and next thing you know, we're talking about philosophy of life, and finally he goes, you know, how do you even know what's right or wrong in life? I said, well, that's a great question. He said, by the way, what do you do? <laughs> I, I said, I'm a pastor. He goes, no way. He said, where? I go, well, right here where we're standing. It's a Friday night thing, right? <laughs> you heard about. And so you don't know about these divine appointments. But we've been commissioned and commanded to care about other people. I cannot care about everybody. I cannot care about everybody. I cannot answer every need, nor can you. No church, no pastor in any church can respond to everybody's needs. 
So in our church, the way we respond to needs is having people learn to know each other well enough to care about each other. We call them life groups. And so if you're in the hospital, the primary people to visit you will be your life group. Why? Because those are the people that know you, and you're comfortable with them putting their hands on you and praying for you. You don't mind that you don't have any makeup on, that you look horrible. It doesn't matter. They know you. See, the beauty of this is what we're sent out. And if you have a sense that you're being sent out, you become a lot more alert and aware of what God is doing around you. You're not on show. You're not on. You're just being you and being present to Christ wherever you are in Jesus' name. So Jesus sent out his disciples to learn, to connect, and to contribute. He still does that. Are you aware that he's doing that in you and through you? You might not be paying, you might not be paying attention to it. I don't care how old you are right now. If you're 5 or you're 11, or you're 15, you're 35, you're 85, Jesus is working in and around you if you have faith in him. And he's sending you out. And you bear his presence wherever you go. You take him wherever you go. And if nothing happens when you go places, that's fine. But you're ready just to observe things, to see things. Do you ever find yourself seeing a situation that you can't really interact with because it wouldn't be socially appropriate, but you can pray for? Lord, that guy's being really mean to that kid. Maybe for good reason, I don't know. But man, that father's not handling it very well. Lord, I pray that you give that guy. Or you see another situation, and it's because the plane was canceled and you're in the line trying to reboot your, your flight, and the person ahead of you is haranguing this person who has absolutely zero power to do anything about it. And they're, they are so out of it, you think, oh my gosh. All you want to say when you get up there is, hey, it looks like you're having a very hard day. And they say, yeah, thank you for noticing. You know? um, <clears throat> a friend of mine uh, speaks all over the place, and he um, was on this, he's on this crazy speaking schedule to hundreds of thousands of people around the world. And so <clears throat> he's... he's, he's wants to get back to San Diego, he, he, he takes his rental car in, and the guy is so incompetent, <clears throat> so slow, and so befuddled about checking him out, he's going, oh my gosh, I missed my plane, and he wants to just to read the guy the riot act, <clears throat> and this guy by training is a litigator, and he wants to just tell him everything he's not doing right, and, and finally he just says, Lord, you know, it's in your hands, <clears throat> and so he's standing there, and he wasn't fuming, he was just inside going, if I don't get home, I don't get home. Finally, the guy goes, okay, sorry, it took me a while to figure it out. Pretty new here, but hey, by the way, when I heard you speak last night, that changed my life. What you said last night, I'd never thought about before. I never thought I was a candidate for that kind of life, and I believe that God wants to work in me and through me. Thank you so much. My friend's going, thank you, 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 thank you. Dear God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because he was so close to being you and me. Could you hurry up? I'm going to miss my flight. You know, have you ever, I won't even ask if you've ever done that. So I'm sending you out. What's this? Like sheep among wolves? Are you kidding me? This does not sound particularly pleasant. Uh, risky, scary, real, yes. Promising, no. Jesus is describing an unlikely matchup that looks like a, a true disaster. Trouble with a capital T. Sheeps and wolves are not meant to be hanging out together. Apparently, though, he wants us to trust him in the face of adversity. So he's saying, like sheep, you're going to go out and you're going to be facing wolves. I want you at the table, but not on the menu. I want to do something, and it requires you trusting me to go do it, in spite of the fact that there will be wolves where you go. Okay. All right. There will always be sheep. There will always be wolves. There's always predator. There's always prey. We're supposed to be on guard, but not afraid. 
Later around in chapter 10, a couple times he says, hey, be on guard, do, do not be afraid. <clears throat> but he wants us to be prepared. So he's sending us out. He tells us how he's sending us out. Hey, it's going to be risky out there in the marketplace. And so I ask you the question, where are you facing wolves in your life right now? What threats are you feeling, are you seeing? What harassment are you experiencing? What people are making life miserable for you or trying to? What people are not giving you support and encouragement, <clears throat> and that might be their responsibility. What people seem to be using you as an opportunity for them. Where is that happening in your life? What wolves can you identify? Maybe the wolves are the latest diagnosis you got from your doctor. Maybe the wolves are the financial situation you're facing. Maybe the wolves are what's happening with your kids or grandkids. I don't know. But you do. You know that there's wolves out there, and you feel like a sheep. You feel like you're being served, not present at the table. But Jesus is with you, and Jesus has some wise counsel for you. Here it is. Ready? Therefore. <laughs> One word. <clears throat> this is Jesus' wise word. Therefore. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And that sounds sort of crazy, but no, it's not crazy. Because when Jesus calls us to do something, he also equips us to do it. If we're, if we're paying attention. He'll help us identify, develop the things we need to face the wolves, if we're willing. Uh, I've, you've heard me say it before, it is very bad theology to say, God will never give you more than you can handle. It's false theology. It's not true. It's well-intended. Uh, it sounds just so right, just like God helps those who help themselves. That, that's Benjamin Franklin, uh, not the Bible. It makes sense at, at a level, but not at an adequate enough level. God always gives us more than we can handle. God always lets us go through stuff that we couldn't possibly handle but for him. Yes, we have a, a toolkit of things we can draw on to, to deal with life's challenges, and we're responsible to do that. But ultimately, to really deal with all the stuff in life, it's beyond your capacity and mine. And so rather than cursing God or cursing people for that, you say, okay, Lord, what do you want to do to meet me in this situation? That's the therefore. So always ask yourself, what's the therefore? Why is the therefore there? God is teeing you up to learn something. So therefore, well, okay, what's, it, what's following that's going to really be helpful to me? There's more here than meets the eye. Things aren't what they seem. Jesus is going to help us wisely navigate the marketplace. We're not crazy sheep with a death wish committing suicide by wolf, you know? We are wise, not naive. Jesus is with us. That's how smart we are, to recognize, oh, that's right, you are with me. If you don't do anything else, wisdom is saying, Jesus, you are with me. I will trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not on my own understanding, in all my ways I'll acknowledge him, trusting that he will lead my paths through this dire circumstance. So our confidence is in Jesus, the lion and the lamb. Our wild hope is in the untamed lion of Judah who became the lamb of God. Is there, is there incongruity there? How does the great lion of Judah become the sacrificial lamb? The lion and the lamb. Read Revelation. It'll jump out at you. It'll say, how does this come together? In Christ, it comes together. How does it come together in your life? Therefore, if God is in you, you have a majority of one, right? He can do all things. You have all the strength you need. So Jesus' message here isn't about adopting a posture of tamed, domesticated, 
uh, helplessness and hopelessness. Oh, well, Christians, you know, just take it on the chin. The meek shall inherit the earth, I guess, this is what it looks like. Face planting yet again. No. It's a call to actively engage in his mission and participate in his redemption of all creation. And somehow we have some small but significant part to play in that. We will not see the significance here. Only later in his presence will he say, you know, let me show you what the context for that was. It didn't go well for you, did it? No, it was a disaster. I was kind of ticked off, actually. I felt like I was Job, only it was worse because it was me. Right, but here's what I was doing. That situation wasn't about you. But what I wanted to do required you going through what you went through. Are you okay with that now? Oh, yeah. My bad. Therefore, we need to be aware and prepared. Our presence makes things happen that otherwise might not happen. This is called agency. Agency is a very important word. You, you, some of you are very familiar with this word, agency. It simply means that our lives and our decisions matter. Your presence makes a difference. You can't be present to everyone in every place. Some people will be angry that you couldn't be present for them. You have to let that go. You just simply need to be present where you know you're supposed to be present and trust that God will bring other people to meet needs that you can't possibly reach. And so be shrewd as snakes. Be as shrewd as snakes. A snake glides smoothly through the world alert to danger. What else can a snake do? It can bite you, I guess, if it has... Even if snakes that aren't poisonous will bite you if you try to grab them. But most times, snakes don't want to mess with you. I remember one time on a backpack trip, I'm bringing up the rear end of a long line of, of, of people on the backpack trip, and we're in the Trinity Alps, way in Northern California, high alpine, just below snow level, and we're on this trail, and we're walking through, and as I, I'm walking, I'm watching everybody walk by, and I'm, I'm looking, at, there's a small bush, and so by the time I get up to the bush, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what I thought it was. It was a coiled rattlesnake. But the funny thing was, it was just being a rattlesnake. Unless somebody kicked it, or reached to you know, try to grab it, the rattlesnake was going, I hope they don't see me, hope they don't see me, hope they don't see me, hope they don't see me. You know, the rattlesnake doesn't want to be seen. So snakes glide smoothly through the world, alert to danger. Jesus handled difficult situations shrewdly. That's why he could say, be shrewd as snakes. Let me give you a few examples from Jesus. Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Hey, Jesus, should we pay taxes? Ooh, setting Jesus up to make somebody really angry, especially the Roman Empire. Well, whose face is on the coin? Caesar's, well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And by the way, you bear the image of God. Give to him what belongs to him. How about this one? Uh, well, this uh, woman, apparently, we caught her committing adultery, and of course the law says to stone her, what do you think we should do? Fair enough, whoever's never sinned, pick up the first stone. And starting with the oldest to the youngest, they walked away. And he said to her, did no one condemn you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Shrewd, very, very shrewd, don't you think? Somebody said, well, hey, uh, how would you define righteousness? Well, let me tell you the story, Mr. Pharisee. Blah, 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 blah. And so this guy, the Samaritan guy, helped this guy when all the rabbis had walked by. Who do you think was the most righteous one? Uh, he can't bear to say Samaritan. He says, uh, the guy that helped him? Right. And what does Jesus say? Go and do likewise. Shrewd, very shrewd. He saw the world it was, as it was created to be. He saw the world as it became and as it was, as it is. He saw the world as it could and would be because of what he was there to do. Isn't that amazing? Shrewd, very shrewd. God says, I've sent prophets, priests, kings. I've, I've given them my word. I'm going to send them my son. Shrewd, very shrewd. God himself enters into his own creation. Amazing. 
I'm not going to come in and give orders and call shots. I'm going I'm to sacrifice my life for them. So you can imagine a, a judgment. Somebody says, you don't even know what it's like to be a human being. And God goes, I think I do. I think I understand what it means to be a human being. So this is the theological context for us being shrewd in our work in the marketplace. We see the perfection of God's creation, but we also see the problems within us and around us and this fractured version of creation that we experience. And we see, by faith, what God provides us in Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Therefore, we see the marketplace as redeemable in Christ. It's not the great Satan. Capitalism isn't the great Satan. Socialism isn't the great Satan. As Solzhenitsyn said, the, the dividing line between uh, evil and good runs right through the human heart. And any system can be gained by human beings. So in a broken world, no system is adequate. And so what we say is, Lord, what do you want to do in the midst of our broken systems that are always inadequate, even the best ones, fall short of what is, is really about human righteousness and flourishing? Lord, teach us to be shrewd as we navigate through this world. And as innocent as doves, he says, uh, doves are considered to be gentle and non-threatening. They represent peace and prosperity. Uh, the, the, uh, these morning doves that hang out at our house, you know, they walk them every year, have, have babies, and, and, and they, they come in, they, they sit by the, 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 the water, and uh, it's just so neat to, to see them. And um, uh, the hawks find them delicious. And so it's frustrating when they, I walk out the other day and there's feathers everywhere. I'm like, oh, man, you know. Um, so th they are innocent and they are vulnerable, uh, but somehow Jesus says, something here is what you need to own and, and possess yourself. And I think it's this, that we have no ulterior motive in the marketplace. We have no ulterior motive. <clears throat> uh, an amazing attorney uh, in, in L.A. Uh, died a number of years ago. John, John Caldwell was his name. He, he put legal plans together for World Vision and so many Christian organizations. And, and somebody said, hey, John, do you often work with Christians? And he said, I'd love to. I just can't afford to. And what he was saying is, when people lead with, oh, I'm a Christian, and they, they, they use a lot of God talk, he says, I see danger coming. I see somebody wanting to pluck me. I take advantage of a situation. And so we see that people with ulterior motives, you just can't trust them. And a lot of times, a lot of times people lead with their faith, not in an authentic way, but just somehow their faith gives them uh, uh, the, the capacity to make your... Your, your guard dropped down. That's not what we're talking about. We're not selling anything. We're simply being in Christ in the marketplace. We don't want something from people. We want something for people. That's, the, that's how this church is organized. We want something for people, not something from people. And when people have Christ, they become incredibly generous. When people have Christ, they become incredibly giving and sacrificial. When people have Christ, they will inconvenience themselves to help and serve others. When people have Christ, they start telling the truth to each other. When people have Christ, they start receiving love from each other. You see where this goes? We want something for people, not something from people. If, if somebody said, well, no, you must want something from me. Yes, I do. I, okay, I admit it. I do. I want you to be alive in Christ. Because if you're alive in Christ, I feel a lot safer in your presence. I can probably trust you. I can probably count on you to keep your word. I can probably count on you to talk to me, not about me. And so we have no ulterior motive. Uh, anything else or anything less than that is not about Jesus. Don't do anything you can't imagine Jesus doing. That's how you'll thrive in the marketplace. <clears throat> a, a group, um, a, a denomination uh, called me up one time, uh, and they said, hey, you know, uh, we want to reach marketplace leaders. 
I said, oh, fantastic. And they said, why? Well, because we, we just want to. And it was a very big, you know, Christian group. And I said, well, all right, do you know any? And they said, well, well, no. That's why we're calling you. We understand you know a lot of market police leaders. And I said, well, we do. I do, but uh, how do you know them? How do you get close to them? Well, they show up, and we don't ask them for anything. We just point them to Jesus. And then if they or one of their family members die, we, we borrow the church next door, and we do a big memorial service, and we talk about Jesus, and all the friends in expensive suits have to show up and listen to us talk about Jesus. Sometimes we do that. We did that on the Midway, you know, all these leaders from the city and the county and the state of California and around the U.S. government showed up for this guy's memorial service, and all we could do is talk about Jesus, and they had to sit there politely. We try to make it creative and warm and attractive, but that's what we get to do. So marketplace leaders spend all their energy hiding from the market. They live a guard-gated existence. The only way they'll let that guard down is if they trust you to not abuse the access you have to them. So you, just being you, will have access into the lives of people that will be your version of marketplace ministry. The marketplace, that place, that convergence of ideas and, and commitments and interesting things that, that the world is, is concerned about, that you get to speak into simply by being present, being patient, being persistent, being humble, praying constantly for people. Because what will happen is at some point when you least expect it, you'll get a call or somebody will show up and say, hey, can we talk? You say, well, sure, about what? You're the only person I know who really believes it's Jesus stuff. And I've tried everything, it's not working, and I think I'm going to lose everything in my, in my family. And I'm wondering if you have any ideas about that. Whoa. Well, I couldn't have gotten close to this guy to talk about. See, the phalanx of things that he had in place to, to protect him from guys like me. He now wants to have a conversation. Why? Because he trusts me. He will trust you. She will trust you. They will say, you know, I, I've noticed that you have strong convictions, but you, you are non-judgmental. I've noticed that you, you are very wise and discerning about things, and you don't just have these flip answers about things. You're very thoughtful. I've noticed that you're very patient. You listen very well, even though I know, I know you don't agree with the stuff I'm telling you. But somehow you're present in a way that gives me freedom to be me. And yet I know, I know you'd like me to, to believe and do what you do. That's what happens as we're present to Christ. That's when the marketplace, in a sense, comes to us, invites us to participate. And we say, wow, who would have ever thought? I couldn't have barged my way in here. But now I'm, 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 I'm not being served at the table. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, as, as the main course, I'm present at the table having a conversation. So by his grace, we're privileged to participate in his redemptive work in the world. We're included in this movement of God's spirit in making all things new, starting with us. Are you worthy of this? No, but he loves you and gives you worth. Are you qualified? No, but he will make you qualified. Are you called to trust him anyway in spite of it being scary and risky? Yes, because it's how you will feel most alive and experience life at its best, in trusting him as you enter into the marketplace that you cannot control, but by God's grace you can influence in the same chapter 10, Jesus said, and by the way, when people start firing questions at you about who you are and what you believe and why you believe it, don't panic. God will give you the words to say. And what will the words sound like? They will sound like authentic descriptions of what you experience in Christ. You don't have to be the smartest person philosophically, scientifically. You just have to be 
authentically, genuinely saying, this is what I'm experiencing in Christ. Do you know who, do you know who God used to bring the greatest living, in my opinion, the greatest living scientist in the world today, Francis Collins, to Christ? It was a woman dying. And he said, you seem so peaceful facing your own mortality. And she then said, yeah, because I have Christ. Don't you? Where is your hope, Dr. Collins? She had great respect for him. She wasn't trying to you know, ding him or needle him. She was just curious. Where do you find your hope, Dr. Collins? And as an avowed atheist, he walked away from that meeting completely unsettled, saying, I don't know. I got to think about it. It pushed him into a quest of, of exploring and talking. And, 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 and finally, he came to this point and said, oh, my gosh, that lady had what I need and what I want. And now to hear him speak, he's so articulate about his faith, and he's so comfortable in his own skin. He's so gracious. Richard Dawkins goes nuts because, because Francis Collins is so gracious and respectful toward him. So, Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. If you want to fill in any of the backstory on this, go back and look at the messages we've been talking about, starting with last week, what it looks like to trust God. The one who wants you to become wise in him and to grow in him and to have impact in his name. Uh, take time to go through those again and, and let those resonate with you because God wants you to be so wise that you can trust him. He wants you to be so wise that you can love yourself as he loves you, that you can love other people in his name because of his presence in you. That's, that's the kind of wise people we want to be. So Lord Jesus, I pray that for us, each one of us, that as we come to this table, as we receive Holy Communion, that we would understand yet again, or perhaps for the first time, how much you love us and accept us, and you offer us truth and you offer us grace you call us and invite us, and then you command us to, to go in your name. And so, Lord, all that we want to do, we want to be. And so we pray as we receive uh, these elements, the bread and the cup, that we would do so in openness and faith and obedience and trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite those who are going to serve communion to come forward. Uh, this is gluten-free matzah. <clears throat> and on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took some bread and having blessed he said uh, this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me go ahead and take these elements and so as you come forward uh, you're going to hear that this is Christ's body given for you and take some of that matzah and then dip it in this cup this, is, this, is, this represents the blood of Christ Jesus took the cup and having blessed he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this in remembrance of me and it's not remembering him like, oh, that happened a long time ago. Isn't that interesting? But, oh, that's right. I, rem I need to remember to trust him right now, to walk with him today, to be refreshed and renewed by him right now in the face of horrific circumstances or in the face of incredibly wonderful uh, circumstances. All that by way of saying, we don't impose this on anybody. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is not something you have to do. It won't be socially inappropriate if you don't do this. Uh, but this is for people who are saying, I believe in Jesus. I, I want to know Jesus. I want to be in relationship with him. And so this is what, an invitation to you. If you don't know Christ, ask him to come into your life right now. Open your heart and your mind to him and come receive communion. Let this be your first communion. Otherwise, uh, sit there and just think about what uh, you've heard sung and spoken today. And if you do have faith in Christ, uh, starting today or for a lifetime, come forward and receive Holy Communion wherever closest to you in the room. And so, Lord Jesus, again, we commit these elements to you, praying that we would honor and glorify you in them. 
that you'd work powerfully through them in each person here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come with
Uh, we told you that Craig and Melanie were expecting a baby. You notice Craig is not here today. Uh, it was truly a Liberty weekend for them. Uh, they had a baby this weekend, a little girl, and you'll get to meet her soon enough. But isn't that fantastic? So we congratulate them. Fantastic. And uh, thank you all for being here. And uh, uh, wow. If we can pray for you for anything that concerns you, go right out around the corner to a little prayer garden out in front. It's a lovely place. All you have to say is, pray for me. Or if you have a request, go ahead and tell them what you want uh, prayed about, for you or for anybody else. 
Uh, if you'd like to be a person who prays with people, let us know. We have a wonderful group of people who, who are willing to pray with other people. And if you need prayer today, uh, feel free to go out there. And if you'd like to pray for people, let us know. We, we are a church built on prayer. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all, giving us his peace, his mercy, his love, his power, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.